these two are headed off to Papua New Guinea for a few weeks. What, what are you, uh, you going to do while you're there? Yeah. Any idea? <laughs> Except be missionaries. Be missionaries. Yeah. Um, I get to teach in a nursing school in Papua New Guinea in the mountains. That's amazing. The good part is they haven't told me what to teach yet. Nope. Okay. <laughs> so it's called winging it. Oh, we're really winging it. <laughs> I just get to be along and help out with the team and just serving as a, like, as a member. Like, with, uh, we get to do clinical days there and just being able to um, check in people, minister to them, and we also get a chance to preach to them. So, yes. how exciting. Awesome. When do you guys head out? November 2nd. Okay. To the 19th. All right. A really long time. I tell you, the person who invited me, I went two years ago with, went to Nepal with her years ago, and she is a character. And what she says to me when she invites me is, you're hearty. That's why I'm inviting you. You're hearty. Is that a compliment? I don't know. Like Campbell's soup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else. So, I've so, seen the commercials. <laughs> so when I said to her, so I said, what are you talking about? She goes, well, we might be taking a dinghy across the Sea of Bismarck. Let's do it. All right. It's a sea, you guys. It's like the ocean. <laughs> and I go, wait, is that the one you thought you were going to drown in years ago? She goes, might be. <laughs> and then she goes, and we might have to sleep on the, f on the ground in huts. Wait, wait, wait. Was that the one where the snakes came in to get you? She goes, might be. Okay. Let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> Lord God, we thank you for Teresa and Michaela and that you have called them to go out on this mission, Lord. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for what you're doing in their lives, Lord, and that they're going to take what you have put deeply within them and that they're going to overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit to this nation, to this land, Lord God, to this region. Lord, I pray that you would guide their steps, that your protection would be over them, that you would, they would go safely and they would come back safely, Lord. I pray that they would be bold, they would be empowered to preach your word, to teach, Lord God, with conviction that it would be more than just about teaching medical things, Lord God, but that they would learn of the great healer in you, Lord Jesus. We send them by the power of your name, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. So exciting. So exciting. Well, we want, I want to get into the word, but we've got one more detour before we get into that, and that is uh, I want to just take a few minutes to pray over uh, a big event happening Tuesday at 1.30 at City Hall, and that is our hearing. Um, and if you don't know the backstory, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the backstory, but um, we are, we've been applying for a variance for a wetland issue that um, we we were under the impression that that was already going to be granted, and yet, and so now we're faced with a hearing, and, uh, and we just need the favor of the Lord, amen? And so uh, what I'd like to do is, and really what we need is them to say, uh, the hearing examiner to say, yes, you should move forward, yes, this variance should be granted. So um, sounds easy enough, right? Uh, so, uh, but that's going to be uh, 1.30 at City Hall on Tuesday, and you can come. Yeah, you, you're welcome to show up. So uh, I don't know if there will be time for public comment or not, but um, you can show up and you can pray. So I'd like to take a few minutes now to pray. And uh, if you are new at church, welcome. This might be uncomfortable for a moment. Uh, but I, wanna, I want you to, we want to take a few minutes if you would just gather with two or three people uh, here as the church. And let's, uh, let's pray over 
uh, this hearing, that God's favor would be on it. So would you just find one or two people uh, and just take, we're going to just take two minutes and pray a short prayer of faith that God is going to partner with us and see this thing happen. Amen. Let's do that. we come in agreement with your purposes and your plan for this building project for this church lord and we ask for your favor to be upon us lord as we as we go before uh the city hearing examiner and we present the case lord that we have we pray that you would be you would give our um our experts the right words um that not only would uh he be more persuasive than the other side but that uh, by the power of your spirit, you would move on the hearts of the decision makers, Lord. And we place this in your hands. We trust you. We know that our future is in good hands with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for praying. I appreciate it. Ready to see what God's going to do. Amen. Open up your Bibles to First John chapter 2. Toward the very end of the Bible, we've been studying in this series called Breaking Through. I don't know about you, but it seems like more than once in my life, I've come up against things and I need breakthrough in my life. Has that ever happened to you? Right? And you're like, I got it. And then a few years later, here comes another one. Or a few days later, maybe not years, days, whatever it happens to be, we need breakthrough in our lives. And we've been working through this book of 1 John, uh, really studying the, the elements that I believe will bring breakthrough to our life. And that today we're going to look at, as Pastor Matt said, the Antichrist spirit. And that, it's not a light topic, uh, but, but I believe that there is a spirit at play that is keeping not only people from knowing Jesus, but from God's people from seeing breakthrough in Jesus. And we're going to expose that today, and we're going to learn what it looks like to have the power 
to overcome that. So let's go right into the word, 1 John 2. If you're following along with notes, you can do so on our church app, Abundant Life Ording. Download that, and there's notes there. Uh, so let's grab our Bibles, and we're going to read a, a bunch of verses today, starting with uh, verse 18 of chapter 2. It says, Dear children, this is the last hour, as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming, and even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For, it had belonged, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that you have heard from the, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father, and this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Lord, we come before you today with this word, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe life into it, that we would hear what we need to hear, that each person's ears would be open to hear what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's a lot of content here in this, in this scripture. We could spend hours discussing the end times. We could look at lots of different sermons. I, I don't remember, I counted three, four, five sermons that I thought I could preach this week. In fact, I was having a really busy week, and, and, I, and, and we're just going through this book of John, and I, I didn't remember from the last couple of weeks like what, I, what this message was going to be. And I remember I got to Wednesday, and I was like, man, I really hope this is a, an easy one and a light one, because it's been a busy week. And I opened up, and I was like, oh, man. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot here. We could, we could spend a lot of time, but I'm only going to preach one sermon today, and we're going to focus on one area. So if you get to the end of this message today, and you thought, oh man, you could have talked all about this, and the Antichrist about this, and how that's... You're right, I could have. I could have done that. You could have talked about the anointing and all throughout Scripture. Yes, I could have, but we don't want to be here till 2 p.m. So we're not going to do that today. We're going to just focus in on this one aspect of this Scripture. Verse 26 says this, and here's the point of this whole section. It says, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Friends, there is a spirit that is trying to lead you astray. There is a world that is trying to lead you astray, and I'm not having it. I'm not having it, and I say, not on my watch. Are we going to see God's people led astray, chasing down these trails that lead to death, we're not going to have it. And the purpose that John is writing to the church is to open their eyes. He wants them to see what's really happening so that they can discern the truth from the lie. And we need to be able to discern the truth from the lie too. There is a spirit that was and is and will be working overtime to lead people away from Jesus. And that spirit, he tells us in the scripture, is the spirit of the Antichrist. So let's take a look at what this is. What is the Antichrist? Verse 18 begins with this statement, says the Antichrist is coming. 
And as I was studying this, this is a really interesting thought because you think about the end times and you think about what's going to happen in the Antichrist and it's all timed out and you think, what do you mean there's many Antichrists that have already come? Well, you see, do you remember who knows the day and the hour of Jesus' return? Does Satan know? Does Jesus know? No, only the Father knows, right? So the Antichrist spirit needs to play itself out now so that it's ready, because then there's going to be one that rises, and that when that one rises in the end times, as Scripture tells us, it's going to happen in the last hour. Now, John's saying we're already in the last hour, so I don't know, what are we in the last minute? I'm not really sure, <laughs> but the times are, are, are dark. And John is the only author in Scripture, this is interesting, the only author in Scripture to use this word Antichrist. We talk about it, we hear about it in times theology, we hear about the Antichrist, but there is nowhere else in Scripture that this word Antichrist is used except for in First and Second John. He doesn't use the word in the Gospel of John, and he doesn't, oddly enough, use the word in the book of Revelation. The word Antichrist doesn't appear but there will be an Antichrist. He is described, and John gives the name here. So who is the Antichrist? The Antichrist will be an end times ruler who will seek to dominate the world. A lot of people thought Hitler was the Antichrist at one point in time because of his rise to power and annihilation of the Jews, and it could look like that. But this end times ruler will seek to dominate the world and will eventually lead a rebellion against God and his people. And his goal will be to seek world domination in order to destroy both Israel and the followers of Christ throughout the world. And he's prophesied about in scripture many, many places, not just here, not just in Revelation. In fact, he's prophesied about in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, the Antichrist is called other names like the little horn or king or prince. In 2 Thessalonians, he's described as the man of lawlessness and the son of destruction. Jesus talks about him in the Gospel of Matthew, and in Revelation, he's described as a beast that the world will worship, which is harder to comprehend because a beast is not probably a human. I don't really know because Revelation is confusing, and there's lots of crazy things with lots of eyeballs, and that freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> More than the horns, more than all the horns, the, the, the lots of eyeballs, I just can't imagine. Anyway, sorry, side note. <laughs> but he's going to do the same things the Antichrist does. We don't know what he'll look like, we don't know how he'll go about his mission, but here's what we do know about the Antichrist, he will be on a mission. He will be on a mission, and the Antichrist's mission will be to oppose, and not just oppose, but also undermine the work of Christ. In fact, sometimes the best way to oppose is to undermine. A lot of times, if you notice in this world, you don't get direct opposition, but you get undermined opposition. And he will come in a big way, probably an unexpected way. His rise to power will probably catch many people off guard that people won't see coming. His motives will stay hidden until the spirit of Satan in him is ready to strike. Now, that's just maybe an opinion of mine. But we see like this, the, the demonic spirits in false gods and false idols and throughout the Antichrist, you see this Antichrist spirit. I believe the Antichrist spirit is linked to Satan himself, just like the king of Babylon was possessed by Satan himself, not just another demon. I believe that the Antichrist spirit really is highly possibly rooted in the person of Satan himself, that's an opinion. That's not 
doctrine, that's just an opinion. If you have a proof to that opinion, I'd love to hear it. That will help me with my opinion. The Antichrist will come. I didn't have time to, to dig that all out. The Antichrist will come, but John says that even now many Antichrists have come. And I read that and I think, what does he mean? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and they will perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray. Jesus isn't referring to a title or a group. He's referring to a spirit. And so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time today trying to, to dig into the Antichrist and what exactly we should be seeing and looking for and what he's going to look like and whether or not his hair is blue, blonde or blue or gray or whatever. But what is the spirit? Let's look at the Antichrist spirit because John tells us that spirit is already at play in our world. It was in play 2,000 years ago and it's at play now. The Antichrist spirit is a demonic spirit with an assignment to lead people away from Christ. Simple as that. It is a demonic spirit with an assignment to lead people away from Christ. And this spirit had emerged back then, and even back then, is, and it's still at work today. It, here, here's some things that we see in Scripture that align itself with the Antichrist spirit. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the parable of the sower. Well, the birds that eat the seed on the path before they can take root, that is this Antichrist spirit that is before someone can even take root in Jesus, its seeds are snatched up. That's that spirit at work. In 2 Corinthians 4, he talks about the God of this age who blinds the minds of unbelievers. That's the Antichrist spirit at work so that people can't find Jesus. It is the father of lies in John chapter 8 that Jesus talks about. And it will be manifest even in the great dragon in Revelation 12 that leads the world astray. It's all over the place. This is not just, I think this is where we've maybe missed the mark as Christians as we've placed the Antichrist spirit and we've said that fits in this category in times theology. But John happens to say that you've got to pay attention to it now. Not just in the end times theology, not just in that. It is a spirit that is not only after the world, it's after Christians too. It is after Christians too, and it wants to keep you from knowing Jesus more. It wants to keep you from trusting Christ as your Savior. It wants to keep you from breaking through in your life. So how do we know? How does the Antichrist spirit work? Well, we can break this word down in the Greek. It's a simple word, anti. We have it in the English language as well. And in the English language, most likely when we think of anti, we think of the word against, right? Well, in the Greek, the word anti in the Greek has two meanings. And one of those meanings, well, would really align with against, and that is to oppose or opposite. But the other meaning of anti is instead of. Instead of, and we tend to focus on the opposite definition, but I believe the Antichrist spirit works in both ways, not just in an opposing way, but also in an instead of way. So I want to look at that a little bit because the, the opposite is pretty easy to spot. If you are, if you hear someone in your life or in society who's adamantly against Jesus, isn't that easy to spot? Usually pretty, people are pretty vocal about that. So it's pretty easy to spot, but I think the anti... I was thinking about the devil. I don't think about the devil actually very much, but in, because of this sermon, I had to. And I realize that the devil is a deceiver. He is not just an opposer, he is a, a deceiver. 
And so deception isn't always straightforward. Amen? Have you noticed this? Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever had someone tell you a kind of sort of truth, but really you were being deceived? Have you ever dealt with American politics? I don't know. How do you want me to say this, right? (laughs) Partial truths. Make it seem like this is what we're saying, all right? I think the Antichrist spirit operates most often actually with an instead of strategy rather than an opposing strategy because it's more effective and it lures people away from Christ and it will move our focus. It will work to move our focus off of Christ onto other things. See, the Antichrist spirit can work in a way where it says, well, you know, you don't need to rely on Christ. You can rely on these other things instead. It will use the things of this world that we talked about last week, which is why we've got to get ourselves separate from the ways of this world. Because the ways of this world will draw you in and it will present an alternative to reliance on Christ. There are lots of alternatives, weak ones, but there are alternatives to reliance upon Christ. It's one of the reasons people get into drugs and alcohol because they just, they need to be able to find that peace or come down and they, they're missing the fact that if they just had the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives to bring them peace, then it would change things. The goal is to try to get you to rely on other things to save you, other things to bring you peace, other things to bring you enlightenment. And John was dealing with a big enlightenment issue in his culture. This whole idea of just being enlightened. Here's what it says in 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to just move forward here for a moment in 1 John, and we're going to look at verse 2 and 3 of chapter 4. It says this, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Christ Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. As Christians, I think we've failed to see the spirit of Antichrist at work in our world because we've become, as I said, too overly focused on the coming person of the Antichrist. We miss the fact that the spirit is at work and it is at work to attract, to distract, to undermine, and to compromise God's people as well as the unbelievers. And scripture tells us here that there was one way, John spells it out real clear, there was only one way to stand against this spirit, just one. It's not going to be that you are strong enough. It's not going to be that you are mature enough. It's just one way, the anointing. That's it. That is how you stand against the Antichrist spirit is with the anointing. He says here in verse 20, as he's talking about this spirit, he says, but you have an anointing. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth, but you have an anointing. He's not just talking to an individual. He's talking to the church. He's saying to all of God's people, you have an anointing. And we have taken this word in Scripture, and we've tried to apply it to individuals. We're like, well, my pastor has an anointing to preach and all that. Yeah, sure, I desperately need the anointing to preach, 100%. But he's saying... To everybody that's reading this, not just the leader of this church, he's saying, you all have the anointing. All of you. Now, anointing in scripture is often connected to an assignment. Yes, it's connected to an assignment. 
For example, the priests in the Old Testament, they were anointed for service. They had an anointing. We see in the New Testament where pastors and church leaders, yes, they receive an anointing. There are those anointings. If the preaching, here's what I need you to know about the preaching. If the preaching, if my preaching brings transformation in your life, it's because of the anointing. It's not because of my training or education or eloquence or anything like that, right? I prefer to say what Paul says, that we came to you not with eloquent speech, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. That if the preaching brings transformation into your life, it's because of the anointing, plain and simple. In Scripture, the anointing is connected with oil. So we have these little, little oils, anointing oils, that, that we use. And uh, we use these because they're a symbol. They're a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Like Now, you, you've, I think maybe as Christians, sometimes we're like, it's kind of weird someone's going to do this, and they're going to put anointing oil on my head. or my. Okay, just be glad you're not in the Old Testament. Like when Aaron was anointed, they dumped a bucket on him, right? Could you imagine coming up forward in church and pray, just boom, and you're like, all right, this is going to be messy, right? I just dumped the bucket. We just kind of, we kind of are nice and polite about it. The anointing is connected with oil, which is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is interesting. John was very familiar with the oil. John was probably more familiar with the oil than he ever wanted to be. Did you know that there was great persecution in John's day? And there was an emperor called Domitian, and Domitian uh, hated the Christians. And persecution, Christians were being martyred. And so he attempted to kill John in a very interesting way. He got a giant pot, he filled it with oil, brought it to boiling, and put John in it. Oh, you want to talk about anointing, John? Here's your anointing. And he put him in a pot of boiling oil, as historians tell us, and guess what happened to John? He didn't boil. Now, I'm of the opinion, if you get put in boiling oil and you don't boil, then you, you get a pass. Like... If I'm Domitian, I'm like, all right, I'm not messing with this guy. But that's not what happens. Instead, he bans him. He banishes him to the island of Patmos to punish him. And thank God for that. Because on that island is where he saw Jesus bring a revelation, which is why we have the book of Revelation. Right? And maybe, maybe some of the weird stuff of that, it was like maybe it was post-boiling oil effect. I don't really know. I think it was the Holy Spirit. Just saying. But that's crazy. Like he got really anointed in that moment. I think that's nuts. The bottom line is this. The anointing is actually the power of the Holy Spirit for whatever assignment God has for us. You maybe have disqualified yourself and said, I don't have an assignment. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you have an assignment. If you are in Christ, you have an assignment. If you know Jesus, you have an assignment. It is available to every believer. And John is telling us that when it comes to exposing an antichrist spirit, we are all anointed because the Holy Spirit at his core is a truth revealer. That's the Holy Spirit at his core. He reveals truth. That's what he does. Look what Jesus said in John 16, verse 13. He says that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. 
He speaks truth. So if you have this antichrist spirit that is trying to deceive, that is trying to mock, that is trying to oppose, and you have the Holy Spirit, you have an anointing for the truth to cut through the lie. That anointing is there. You've been anointed by the anointed one, actually. If you are in Christ, you have that anointing. And maybe you've thought to yourself, I don't feel anointed. I don't, I don't have an anointing in my life. I don't know what I have an anointing for. If you don't feel like you have an anointing for anything else, you have an anointing to see the truth through the lies of what the enemy wants to throw at us. This word anointing comes from the Greek word creo, meaning to anoint or to rub with oil. And this is important. Because from this word creo, we actually get the word Christos or Christ, which means anointed one. When Jesus, it was called Jesus Christ, it was Jesus the anointed one, which the Antichrist is instead of the anointed one. Not the other anointed one, but instead of or opposing the anointed one. From this word creo, we get our word Christianos or Christian, which means Little anointed one. Now, that might not make you feel really confident, but I'm fine with that because if Jesus is big, I'll be little. But I get to partake in that. We get the word chrisma. That word chrisma is the word, the anointing that John uses here in 1 John. So by very definition, by definition, when you are in Christ, you're included in the anointing. You are included. Will you just tell someone near you, you're anointed? Will you just tell them that? You are anointed. When you are in Christ, you have been included in the anointing. But there is a but. And the but is, but you have to decide to walk in it. You have to decide to live in it. When you read throughout the Old Testament... You will find people who were anointed that didn't walk in the anointing all over the place where they were anointed by God and they stepped outside of the anointing to do something their own way, to do it their own plan, or even worse, to walk in sin. They chose to not walk in the anointing. The anointing is given, but walking in it is a choice. You have to choose to walk in the anointing. I was, I was talking to, to Marty before service, and, and I want to tell you, like, technology's crazy. And, and here's what I could do, what I won't do, but what I could do. I, could, I did it as a test, just so you know, just as a, as a social experiment, but I never followed through on it, because I won't. I could have chat GPT write my sermon. No, AI's crazy. Like, I w- we were playing around with it. Hey, write a sermon about the power of the Holy Spirit. Add scripture, right? It writes a sermon. Like, I'm, I'm not going to give that scripture or that sermon. But the point is, I don't have to use the anointing, right? Because we have alternatives. They're terrible alternatives, but they look good on the outside. They're shiny and they're new, right? And, and there's, there's people that have done that. And I think that's crazy in general. But there's a choice to walk in the anointing. That when I'm writing a sermon, I have to say, Lord, I need an anointing for this message. I don't want it to be me. I don't want it to be my ideas or my opinions. I want to know what your word says. In your life, you are anointed, but you choose to walk in it. 
You choose to walk in it. It's a choice. And when it comes to the Antichrist spirit, God has actually anointed you to expose it, to stand against it, to stand up against it. I want to read this scripture out of 2 Corinthians 10, which you've probably heard many times, but I hope that you hear it in a whole new way today. When it comes to exposing the lies of the enemy and the anointing that you have, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take it captive We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I believe there's an anointing that is upon us, that when we do that, we're walking in the anointing. If you do what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, you are walking in the anointing to expose and to defeat the Antichrist spirit from impacting and affecting your life. It doesn't happen, though, if you aren't walking in the filling of the Holy Spirit. You have got to walk filled in the Holy Spirit of God. That in our lives, that we are called in Scripture as we walk in the Spirit to be continually filled with the Spirit. The Scripture that says, do not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled. The connotation and the the, the grammar there is instead be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep on being filled. Be filled up in the Holy Spirit. And some of you today are walking in situations, you've got lies coming at you, you've got circumstances coming against you, you, you've got family members even being dragged away from Jesus. But there's an anointing that God has for you, an anointing to be a truth teller, an anointing to bring people back to Jesus, an anointing to be able to sit down and have a conversation and have someone go, you know what? I'm going to consider Jesus. Maybe someone you've had that conversation with 20 times and they're, they're like, no, stay away. But there's an anointing that you can choose to walk in. I was talking to Pastor Kellen last week. I think she was like in the park or somewhere downtown and just had a random conversation with a stranger who gave their life to the Lord. Why? An anointing. An anointing. She goes out every day of her life filled with the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, I need your anointing to do life and to help people find Jesus. What would happen in our lives if when we're faced with this circumstance, we're faced with this problem, that we don't just go, Lord, I need the strength. Because I think we do that as Christians, and we should. What would happen in your life when you were about to face a difficult situation that in addition to saying, Lord, I need strength for this situation, you said, Lord, I need an anointing for this situation. Lord, I'm walking into this mess right now. And Lord, I need an anointing to walk through what I'm walking through. I need an anointing to navigate this tricky situation. Lord, I need an anointing to walk through this conflict. God, I, need, I just need more than strength, God. I need more than wisdom on how to navigate my marriage problem right now. Lord, I need an anointing to get through this. What would happen if God's people relied on his spirit and asked him for the anointing, I'll tell you what would happen. He would pour that out. And God will anoint you for these things. Your life will radically change today. I promise you this. If you just shift your asking, if you just shift the way that you go to the Lord in these places, and by the way, if you're not going to the Lord when you come up against stuff in your life, that's you need to start. When you're dealing with stuff, I hope and I pray that you are already going to the Lord and saying, God, I need strength. God, I need wisdom. But I just want you to ask one more thing of the Lord. Say, God, I need the anointing. 
I need the anointing to figure out this thing, Lord God. I need it in my life. And I want to pray over you today. And I hope, I hope, I, I asked Pastor Kerry to stop by the office this morning and pick up a whole bunch of these. So do we have a prayer team? Can you guys come up here? Whoever's up here today? I want to encourage you today to be built up. To be filled up. This is just a symbol. But would you allow us today to stand with you and to declare over you the anointing for whatever it is you're facing right now. Look, I know this world. I know it. And I know you're facing stuff. We can walk into church and people say, how are you doing? All good, I'm fine. I know you're facing stuff, right? We're not fooling each other. If you've got some things today, I want to urge you to just come forward for a moment and say, maybe you're like, I don't know what it is, but I know I need the anointing for this world. I want the anointing to be able to expose the enemy and the lies in my own life, whatever it is. We want to pray over you for just a moment. And we want to anoint you. And we want to be, declare over your life an anointing to walk through whatever it is you're walking through. So will you stand with me this morning? Will you stand with me this morning? And I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us back into worship. Usually I, I spend this moment just praying over you. But instead, I want you to just come forward this morning so that you can cut through the lies of the enemy, so that you can have your eyes open to see where he's trying to draw you away, where he's trying to distract you, where he's trying to neutralize you, that whatever's, if you're dealing with a difficult situation and it's not fun to navigate, that you walk out of here today anointed to navigate that thing. Amen? So, Lord, we come to you right now. We come to you right now, Lord God, and we say we need the anointing. We just tell the Lord, Will you just tell the Lord, Lord, I need your anointing? Would you just, even in your mind, whether it's a situation where you need truth, where it's a situation, a circumstance, a hardship, will you just tell the Lord right now, God, I need the anointing. I need the anointing. Would you just come forward? Would you just, right now, don't leave our prayer team hanging this morning, church. I, I want, you, I want you, them to be praying over people that we would line up and say, I want to see God anoint me for what it is that he has for me. So right now, as the worship team leads us, are you ready? All right, we're going to ask you, just go ahead and come on forward. Lord, would you bring your anointing this morning? Come on forward and let us pray for you today.